Hi and welcome to Kink and Cuddles. I'm Becca and I'm just here to quickly say that if you're listening with small kiddos, this is not the podcast for them. Listener discretion is also advised. Here I'm just placing a quick content warning as we do talk explicitly about kink and we do swear so this is probably not suitable for minors. Please be safe and I'll let you get on with the podcast. Enjoy! Hello all you kinky he, she's and they's out there. How are we all? Welcome back to Kink and Cuddles. My name's Harrison and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Becca. Hi! And Ali. Hi! And uh, today on this fine episode numero five because I forgot what five is in Spanish uh, we are talking about uh, cheating and polyamory and non-monogamy. Um, so to begin with I've got um, a couple of definitions um, to start off with. Um, things like monogamy, polyamory, non-monogamy, open and monogamish, which I absolutely love that as a word. I get it like, because we're like, you know, like the little feeling is like, like you say a word, it's like, oh, I like that. That's yeah, cute. that's a good I word. <laughs> word. I might say that again. And then your family goes, can you just stop, please? <laughs> um, so basically uh, monogamy is the practice of being married or in a relationship with uh, one person at a time. Um, then non-monogamy is uh, more of an umbrella term, um, which involves basically the following of a non-monogamous lifestyle. Um, and within that umbrella term, there's polyamory, which is a romantic or sexual relationship, either with um, more than, I would say, obviously, two people in a relationship. But it can be as many as you want within it. This um, There are different types of polyamory. So you've got um, I think it was called a triad, which is three people in a relationship and they're all dating each other. I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. um, so that's three uh, people within a relationship who are all dating one another. And then um, I call it the arrowhead or um, there's another word for it. What's the actual word for it? I wrote this down, but I can't read it. A B relationship or a hinge relationship. Hinge. Thank you. Right. Okay. Um, another type of relationship within the polyamorous um, dynamic is called a hinge relationship. Um, this, I believe, um, is where one person uh, is dating other people, um, but those other people within the relationship aren't dating each other. Um, so I always described it as like an arrowhead. Like there's the point of the arrow, which is you. And then there's two people going off of it, but they don't connect. They don't join up the triangle. And then there's lots of different types because depending on how many people you've got in the relationship, the word and the, the dynamic style changes. Another word for like a group of poly people is in like a relationship um, is a polycule. It's just what you would call a group of people who there's like more than two of them and they're dating people and they're dating, they might be dating people outside of their little group or they might be just dating within the group, but it's generally called the polycule. Um, you also mentioned something about um, it can be up to as many people as it wants, and it can, it can be to as many people as the people want, um, and it depends on the person who's doing the dating. So the only thing which kind of dictates how many people you might be dating at once would be um, like you eventually reach a point of polysaturation. Uh, that means that you can't you don't have enough time or money or resources to have another partner as part of your relationship your polycule or whatever 
Um, then there's also something which is an open relationship. Uh, what I've got is that it's different with all types of couples, depending on how you want to define it. Um, but that's the same with most relationships and different types of uh, monogamy and non-monogamy. Um, but it's partners that are not part of the relationship. The best ways that I've sort of heard to describe it is that essentially you are in a relationship, but essentially you're able to act single. So the same way that like you wouldn't have that many restrictions if you were single on people they flirt with, people that you make out with or have sex with, depending on what your relationship allows. For example, my relationship is is currently monogamish. However, we could very much see ourselves in a position where we were to have an open relationship at some point. It doesn't mean we didn't like we wouldn't love each other or anything. It just means that like we would be dating each other, possibly married, living together, sharing bills, maybe having kids together. But then outside of that, we can essentially act single, even yeah. though we're not. And that's okay if that's what if that's what works for you and that, but that's why it's different to polyamory. Ali? Just a thing on the acting single you still need to make sure that everybody who you're doing stuff with yeah. is aware that you are in this relationship and this is the arrangement that you have going. Yeah. Otherwise it becomes cheating. Yeah. And you, you need to, yeah. And you need to discuss the boundaries then within your relationship and the person that you want the open relationship with. Cause it could be that you're essentially allowed to act very, very single as long as everyone knows everyone involved or like you're allowed to act single, but you're not allowed to actually sleep with someone or other restrictions and stuff that just may be put in place for your relationship that works for your relationship. Yeah. It may be as simple as being in a relationship, but you're able to flirt with other people, but harmless flirting, not in a way that's going to lead them on and make them think that you're available. But if it does come up, then you need to be as honest as possible and tell them, I'm in a relationship, but I'm allowed mm. to flirt, that sort of thing. And that it, it's as simple as however you want to make it. And you can do it however you want. Because as yeah. we said before, relationships are based on however you want to make the relationship. Because it's whatever makes both parties or all parties in the relationship comfortable. Yeah. Um, and then my favourite word, monogamish. 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 Um, basically, monogamish is it's on like a scale. And um, non-monogamy is very much a scale. It goes from polyamory to monogamish to open. So monogamish is very much the the center point between open and polyamorous. Yeah, yeah. It kind of goes from polyamorous to monogamous. So it's like polyamorous and then swingers and then open and then monogamish and then monogamous. Yeah. So monogamish is basically just that space between um, open and monogamous on urban dictionary it says a relationship that is mostly monogamous but occasionally exceptions are made for sexual play so that's monogamous so that can be from again it's defined by your relationship and who you're with so if you're um comfortable doing just the flirting online but you're still within your um monogamous relationship just the two partners but you have the ability to go and flirt with people online but they're aware that you're in a relationship and it won't go much further than that um or if you're going to go that extra and be able to without your partner go and have threesomes foursomes orgies that sort of thing if that's as far as you want to take it or that also can include your partner going as well 
Um, but it is all based around what you're comfortable with and your partner is comfortable with, which is why we always knock into your communication. But that is that is the baseline of monogamish. It's just a small barrier between open and monogamous. But um, whether you're polyamorous, open, non-monogamous, monogamous, monogamish, any of these, um, whether you're swinging or not, uh, it's important to have the same amount of communication and gaining the same amount of consent with your partner or partners, no matter what you're doing, because if you don't have that communication, it can then become cheating. And that's what we want to try and avoid. Um, what I found is like a little interesting, um, like a little note um, is that nowadays, like polyamory and non-monogamy are very, I wouldn't say judged, but they are slightly judged because they're not understood. Like the kink community is kind of like, they're a bit, they're a bit extra for me. I'm a bit worried about dating a kinky person in case I get in danger. It's like, well, that's why we have the safety parameters, SSC, rack, that sort of thing. So you are equally as safe as you would be normally, as long as you follow the correct parameters. Um, but with polyamory, people do start to judge it and they jump to conclusions that it is just cheating. But I read a thing that uh, even in the good old days of ancient Greece, um, the word polyamory, um, I believe, in it, the Greek and Latin version of polyamory uh, means many lovers. So even back then, and when I did Greek mythology, I don't know any like direct um, historical points that I can put out because uh, I'm still learning my Greek mythology stuff. But one thing I do know for a fact is they didn't just like have one partner. There was a lot of orgies. There was a lot of just every god and goddess just meeting up and having some fun because they were that kind of people. And if they did it back then, why can't we do it now? Because, but that's just, it's a nice thing to see that even back in like ancient history books, they're still having like orgies and like mixing it about and just having a good time. And they didn't have a care in the world. And it's nice to just see that that was like a, a really sweet thing. But I've got some other poly um, non-monogamous based terms, which I thought were really cool. And so I've got, um, which I think, May, may or may not be a better word than monogamish. Uh, ambiguous sweetie doesn't roll off the tongue as well, but it's adorable when you get to figure out what it is. So an ambiguous sweetie, which is A-M-B-I-G-U and then sweetie, which is just, it's basically an ambiguous sweetie, as in like a, an ambiguous partner type thing. But uh, what it says here, a direct quote, um, is a partner with whom one's relationship is ambiguous or not clearly defined. Often, initially, as we are not primary partners or secondary partners or even simply friends, but rather ambiguous sweeties, which I think is so adorable. Um, and then we've got Comet. Comet was a really nice one. Comet is an occasional lover who passes through one's life semi-regularly, but without an expectation of continuity. Is that a word? Continuity. Ah. So what I was saying wasn't a word, um, which I think is really sweet because that's the kind of thing that we kind of look like with a monogamish type relationship. It may be more um, based around that. So you can have a partner that comes in and out of your life semi-regularly, but still have a monogamous relationship with someone. Um, and that could even be your, just like your normal relationship without the polyamory monogamy and non-monogamy even. It could just be your normal relationship, which I think is 
really sweet. And then um, cuddle party, which is literally, as it says, just a bunch of people getting together for a cuddle session. Like that is just, we need one of those in my life. Like that just sounds like the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> a cupcake party, which I, I read is primarily just women, but I believe it doesn't single, single out men. Um, and it's a group of people getting together um, and like learning how their bodies work and like mutual masturbation and trying things out and learning from each other. But it's not necessarily a dynamic or a relationship, either sexual or romantic. It's more just like a group of people getting together to learn rather than it being sexual or romantic. I mean, it can be, it can become that, but um, it starts off, I believe, without any direct attachment, just for the entertainment of learning. And then my favorite one, ethical slut which i think is great which is a person who openly chooses to have multiple simultaneous sexual relationships in an ethical and responsible way and who openly reveals it in a discussion so they're not afraid to hide it they just like it and that's just what they do and i think that's awesome and being open about those sorts of things is just outstanding so from now, I'm going to move on to Becca, who is going to go and talk about negotiation in the relationship. So, yeah, I think negotiation in relationships is something that's really, really important. Um, I found that I did this in my relationship really early on. We'd only been together like four months or so um, before I sort of was like, hey, can we have a conversation about what is and what isn't allowed in our relationship? And we just sat down and we talked about it. And God knows how I knew how to do that. Because I was like only just 17 at the time, got together in the last few months where I was 16. Mm. I had never seen anything like this represented to me or portrayed or talked about. I don't know how I knew how to do that. He was really surprised that we were doing that. But I was just like, huh, I don't know this. Let's talk about it. Mm. it's very nice though that you had that ability yeah i mm. don't know where it came from because i don't know anyone else who has done that but you're in a badass we're just like you know what we're talking about this sit the yes. fuck down let's go <laughs> have a conversation yeah so we had that very early conversation and we've kept talking about it we've kept discussing it as time has gone on which i think is really important because i think sometimes the approach especially to monogamy can just be easy because it feels yeah. like you've got things that are pre-written rules almost. But it's not good to just go off of that because otherwise, how like how do you know what each other's definitions are, what is allowed in your specific relationship between the two of you? And I like, I personally like the analogy of approaching it like it's a business meeting because you it, it's not like you two running the business together, running the relationship together, need to talk about how you're going to run it together. Because it's not like a merger of two businesses. You are running the same business together. And this isn't a, like how to negotiate becoming poly or open. This is just a negotiation in terms of like what is allowed and what isn't allowed in your relationship between the two of you. And make sure that it does end up healthy for the both of you and ends up realistic. So, for example, you'll want to talk about what relationship type is most compatible with you. Are you most compatible with a monogamous relationship? Or are you most compatible with an open or poly relationship? Be honest about what you want. So, like, do you want your partner's sole focus on you? Or do you want to experience 
like things and you want them to experience things that are outside of your relationship I think love languages is something that's really important to talk about in that conversation because then you can really get down to if I ever do feel jealous is it one of these things that I'm then missing if you're being physically touchy with someone else is it that I need you to be a little bit more physically touchy with me sort of thing for example um also what are your boundaries like what are theirs and where is the middle ground is there a middle ground because it could be that they're just like huh, essentially you can do anything with anyone as long as you tell me but then your thing might be i don't want you to do anything with anyone and then in that situation you got to find a middle ground of kind of where you want to be with that and then also what are your expectations and are they realistic what do you expect from your relationship and is that a realistic thing to expect from that other person and what the relationship is bringing in general. Keep this dialogue going. This is what we call a close-on conversation, but you don't just have it once. You might want to have it at the beginning of the relationship. You might want to have it again in a few months and a few months and a few months. I know that we have been having this talk at least once every six months since we got together. And I think it's a really healthy thing to keep going because you never want to feel restricted by your own relationship. You never want to be like, oh, I can't talk to this person because my boyfriend won't like it. Yeah. Like, you you want to have that open communication consistently going. It's about checking in with your partner and, like, yeah. like making sure that they're okay. Mm. Because you have some people that may, like, they're confident in the relationship and they love everything about it, but they, we do have people in the world that are more like, I want to say something, but I don't know how to say it. So if you have those kind of people, obviously it's really important to like express your opinion and express how you feel because we don't want a member of the relationship to feel left out in a sense or like being hurt by actions that the other person has no idea is hurting them. That's the yeah. thing. So by jumping in and saying, look, how are you doing? It opens up so much more and it relieves so much pressure to be like, oh, I'm actually, I'm doing really well uh, or can we talk about this? Because I've been wanting to talk to you about it, but I didn't quite know how to bring it up and just been like, yeah, let's have a sit down. Let's have a talk. Yeah. Sorted. And it, and it usually works out a lot better than going and go and, and ending up having an argument saying, well, you didn't talk to me about this and this didn't happen. Well, you didn't ask. It's if you ask and talk to your partner and communicate just as, as you said, on like a month to month basis. It or it can even just be an open dialogue. Like if you don't want to have those sit down proper, like of course you might need it once to have a big proper sit down conversation. But from there, it could just be an open dialogue where you're consistently like, well, I'm not sure if this fits into the rules and I'm not sure if this is under the rules. Yeah. Yeah, my partner and I actually have a really brilliant system for this. We call it checking in. So essentially, if there's something that has happened or could potentially happen, um, we just go, hey, can I check this in? Um, so it has been cases where my partner has been like, hey, can I check this in? Um, last night when I was out drinking, um, I did karaoke with these like couple of girls. Is that OK? And I'm like, yeah, of course it is, because you told me. A lot of my things are just like, it's absolutely fine as long as you tell me. Like, we're monogamish, but, like, we're still pretty open to being open and things. Um, currently, the relationship wouldn't entirely allow to be entirely open, but it allows for things to be checked in. 
but for instance, if you wanted to take part in um, like a threesome or a foursome, um, you may want to obviously run that past your partner because not only is it important to run it past them, even if they're involved in the sex, in like in the sexual activity, because sometimes you may want to have a sexual experience not involving your partner, which is acceptable, of course, because that's how you feel and that's how you want to play with it and that's how you want to act with it and that's perfectly fine but it's also important that your partner is informed because if they don't have a if they have a problem with it then you need to have a sit down and communicate and talk about it if they don't fine awesome just uh they may have a thing like um for instance if uh my partner wanted to go and do something with someone and they talked to me about it and i was okay with it i'd still want them to like text me and check in and like be like yeah this is um this is what's going on we've just finished dinner we're gonna go back we could probably do some stuff but i'll text you afterwards just to see how you're doing and i'd be like cool as an example um but it's if they weren't happy with it then you'd have a a a sit down and and a chat about it where you're at um if um your partner was to be involved however still bringing up is important because if you were like right well i've I've talked to my friend janine and she's down to have a, a sexual encounter with the two of us uh she's coming in about half an hour it's like excuse me what whoa hold the phone back up who um it's very important to be very open and honest about what a you want but to make sure that they want it too and also like just discussing when if how where all of these wonderful words that will very much help in understanding and helping your communication with your partner. Because if you don't follow, like when you're in school, it's like the five W's, like when, where, what, why, and who. Um, It's important to have those like brought in and discuss those types of things with your partner because all of those types of things can really help in understanding what you want, who you want it with, how many people, that sort of, and like all of this sort of stuff it can really help in understanding where your partner is at as well as where you're at. So your partner is aware. So they really do help out. Yeah, I think just having that conversation means that you're then on the same page about things. And it just means that your relationship's only going to be more healthy and communicative for it. This is now the time where we're going to go in for the break. So make sure you have a snack, have a glass of water, look after yourselves. We'll be back in two seconds. Goodbye. Bye. So now we're back. Hope you enjoyed your break. And we're going to go straight on to talking about communication. Ali. Communication is still very, very important for polyamorous relationships. In fact, it's almost more important. If not, then it's just as important as in monogamous relationships. And you need to be very on top of creating rules and boundaries within your relationship um and these rules need to be these rules need to be explicit and objective like there needs to be very little questioning of like well this could possibly be breaking that rule but if I twist it in this way it's not breaking that rule you've got to be quite objective with how you set things out and how you talk about things another general rule that you can normally stick to when you're in a polyamorous relationship is like if you're doing stuff that you wouldn't want to tell your partner the likelihood is you're cheating like you're doing something wrong you're doing something that goes against the boundaries 
So one kind of set of rules that polyamorous relationships sometimes follow is the idea of polyfidelity. Um, not all relationships follow these rules, uh, but polyfidelity is basically, you follow similar rules to um, the ones which you would follow in a monogamous relationship. So like you can't date outside of your polycule that's been communicated with everybody. So like say if me, Harrison and Rebecca were all dating, if we were to be, if we were to practice polyfidelity within our relationship, I wouldn't then be able to go and date my friend Steve without telling everybody. <laughs> but that's not what all poly relationships follow. Sometimes they have a don't ask, don't tell policy. So like if you, so I could go off and date my friend Steve and you wouldn't ask about it and that would be fine. I could just go off and date him and that would be absolutely fine. But there's different kind of rules and sometimes some people just want to be kept in the know about what's going on. So just like, yeah, if I was to go, actually guys, I want to date my friend Steve. Would you be all right with that? And you guys need to be like, yeah, he's a nice person or I actually want to get to know him a little bit first or Mm, I wouldn't be so happy with that happening. We need to talk about this a bit more. I think that's and, yeah. the way that I could see my relationship being just if we were open where we would be pretty open about talking about things because especially I feel like the energy that that would bring back in my relationship. I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to hear about the experiences you're having with other people. Can you can we do things while you tell me about those experiences please like that that sounds like it would be a lot of fun so another point where like communication will come in handy not necessarily just in non-monogamous relationships but just in relationships in general would be like say if there's certain things you struggle with or maybe if you have a disability or you're neurodivergent or something they need to communicate that for example my partner absolutely hate hate being interrupted hates it with a passion but I'm just so impulsive that it's really 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 difficult for me to not just butt in with like as soon as the thing pops into my head be like oh it's this just mid-conversation and he he used to get very annoyed with that he still gets annoyed with it to a point but he kind of knows that that's something I really struggle with now but like that wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to understand that if I hadn't have communicated that in the first place Two really important resources that come in really handy and the ones which everybody recommends when it comes to polyamory and non-monogamous relationships. Um, one of them is The Ethical Slut. It's a book. I don't know who it's by. We'll put it in the notes. And the other one is More Than Two. That is also a book, but they also have a website um, with lots of really great resources for getting started with polyamory and stuff. They'll be included in the show notes. I'll make you spit everywhere. You said gay. Did I say gay? Did I say gay? With really gay bits in. I'm like, really great points. You went with really gay (laughs) points. Yeah. (laughs) Really great points. It's fine, you can fix it. Um, But yeah, it also has a website. It's got lots of great information in it. We'll put them in the show notes. Check it out. Just before we move on to our last section, I've got kind of a question for Ali just because I don't think we covered it earlier on um why is non-monogamy polyamory and open relationships 
not cheating. Ah, okay. So it's a common misconception that polyamorous relationships are basically just cheating with permission. But in reality, that's not at all what they are. It's much more... The reason why it isn't cheating is because it has been pre-agreed and everyone has given full consent to anything that goes on. The minute people aren't giving consent is the moment it becomes cheating. And if you're breaking any of your rules that you've pre-negotiated, it becomes cheating. But it is not cheating until it reaches that point. So a question that I've got is, I think for a lot of people, because we've grown up in such a monogamous-focused society, wouldn't like you get jealous about your partner seeing other people, sexually interacting with other people? Yeah, definitely polyamorous people non-monogamous people still feel jealousy the only difference is they think about it in a different way so poly people and people in open relationships and non-monogamous people um they frame their jealousy in a very different way it's much more of a way to look introspectively and kind of be like okay so what am i missing that's making me feel this way so like say say again if we were in a triad um if I was feeling a bit jealous because you two were spending lots of time together, I would then be like, okay, so I'm feeling this jealousy. What is it that I'm feeling jealous about? What exactly is the thing that I feel like I'm missing, which they're getting? And I'd be like, hmm, I think I need some more attention, some more cuddles. This is the thing which I need. I would communicate that to you guys and it would help to alleviate a lot of my jealousy. So Harrison, what do you think about like poly and things? Like, do you think that you're monogamous, monogamish? Um, like what, like not just like for you, not in terms of your relationship. Um, I have, well, I have always been very monogamous. Um, this is the first relationship I've ever been in. So I've never really been able to think about it necessarily because not being in a relationship it proves difficult to think about monogamy and that sort of thing seeing as it involves multiple people or a person um but since being in a relationship and talking to people and that sort of thing definitely probably monogamish um because i feel that i could definitely date multiple people but i'd a have to have them all with me I could I, I don't I don't like having a long distance relationship with my girlfriend. I want them to be here like now, just like cuddling 24/7 for the rest of my life. Now, that is kind of the feeling I need, but having then multiple people that just like equivalents to a higher need and want and I'm already a needy bitch as it is. So having 3 or 4 or however many other partners would be difficult. Um but I'd probably only ever go up to having 3 others. I wouldn't go much higher. I I don't have the mental capacity to deal with one, let alone three, but here we are. Um, but I think that also um, monogamish, because I could do it, I would just need, I, I, my issue is the jealousy thing. I would get jealous very easily. Um, why? Like, why do you think that is? Because I've not been in a relationship before. So then, and also being at, um, like, throughout school, I wasn't a popular kid, so bullying was quite a big thing. So, like, lots of, like, when you're bullied, you do, like, my personal bullying that I got was a lot of, like, being put down, not being, like, good enough for specific things. So by having a relationship 
and then them talking to someone else and me talking to someone else. But if they spend more time with each other, or if they lived closer to each other and they spend more time, I would just feel like I'm not adequate or I might get pushed out. Um, I'm not good enough. That, the, the very normal things you feel or like on a regular basis, if someone was talking, like if you're a jealous person, like very not what I've been told is quite a normal thing. Um, I would just feel, and I would obviously hundred percent communicate that with partner partners and explain that. But I don't like the idea that I have like having a relationship is happy. And then having that feeling is a bit like, mm, I don't want to have to feel jealous. And it sucks that I would because like having multiple partners, because I've got a lot of love to share and I love like people and I find like lots of like being pansexual. Everyone's attractive to me. Literally everyone has some sort of redeeming quality, whether it's looks or personality, or even if it's just like your favorite TV show that makes you just more attractive than if we didn't have that sort of connection. I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot as a society in terms of you're going to be attracted to other people if you're in a relationship that doesn't take away from your partner or your partners like if you're attracted to other people because it's not like you get into a relationship and your attraction just stops i think we can talk like we talk a little bit more freely um uh like as the lgbt community about it because a lot of our discussions are based on attraction um so i'm also bisexual like my partner knows that like they know that I'm attracted to men and women but I think it's really important to be able to have those conversations without constantly being jealous because you know that your partner is going to be attracted to someone else at some point but that doesn't take away from their attraction to you no definitely with you then they should be attracted to you because that's the point but no I think that it's a possibility but nowhere near anytime soon I identify as polyamorous I'm currently in a monogamous relationship though which is fine. That's absolutely fine. You can be poly and be in a monogamous relationship. It just depends on what you can cope with and what you can deal with. The way I experience my poly polyness, I can't think of the word for it right now. Um, the way that I experience my polyamorous feelings um, is that I could very easily be in a relationship with multiple people. That seems like a very fun thing for me, but I can also perfectly well manage I can also perfectly manage to be in a monogamous relationship and feel fulfilled um not everybody is like this some people need multiple partners to feel fulfilled in themselves some people don't um yeah so now that we talked a little bit about cheating before we're going to talk a bit more about it now because at the end of the day cheating has no one single definition um it's different for everyone and we all have our own lives and our own limits that will be impacted by our relationship types our pasts and such um and one of the really good resources that i found on it is a ted talk by esther perel which is absolutely fantastic it's actually a really funny ted talk for what she's talking about um which is like infidelity in long-term relationships uh, because uh, she's a therapist who works um with people who who had relationships who've gone wrong um, and I got a lot out of this TED talk, um, especially around the expectation that you should leave a relationship nowadays if there has been infidelity. The shame used to be if you did leave the relationship, divorce used to be full of shame. And now the new shame is staying in a relationship where there's been infidelity, whereas most people actually do end up staying, especially in long-term relationships if you've got 
a house, you've got kids, there are other reasons beyond it to work on it. Um, and she also goes a lot into how like fidelity today hurts different because before you would never really be able to get proper proof of it. Whereas nowadays you've never been more tempted in this culture because before it used to be you would cheat if you weren't happy whereas now it's a bit more why be happy when you can be happier sort of thing um this is a clip that i'm going to play a bit so you can just listen to a little bit of the gems that she throws out now everyone wants to know what percentage of people cheat i've been asked that question since i arrived at this conference it applies to you. But the definition of infidelity keeps on expanding. Sexting, watching porn, staying secretly active on dating apps. So because there is no universally agreed upon definition of what even constitutes an infidelity, estimates vary widely from 26% to 75%. But on top of it, we are walking contradictions. So 95% of us will say that it is terribly wrong for our partner to lie about having an affair, but just about the same amount of us will say that that's exactly what we would do if we were having one. So yeah, it's a really, really interesting TED talk. And she also talked a little bit about monogamy and about how it used to mean one person for life, whereas now it just means one person at a time, which I think is a brilliant new definition of it. Do you guys want to be open at all about if you've experienced situations of infidelity? I mean, I don't really have much to say in the whole cheating aspect. It's quite difficult for me to say anything. Um, so I'll pass to just to Ali because I haven't got much. I have been cheated on in the past. I've also come close to being cheated on in the past. Um two different instances I don't know if I'll go through both of them or not but they're both kind of relevant but my view on cheating and what I would do if I was cheated on has changed a lot since having been cheated on um before the first time I got cheated on I was very much like nope if that, that's it no chances they cheat on me once once a cheater always a cheater this this is a thing which my mum had always put into me coming out of that I actually ended up staying in that relationship whether it be for better or worse my views on it changed quite drastically and it's gone from no if you cheat or if you come close to cheating it's like nope that's it that's out and it's gone too it's changed to if you're open with me and you're willing to work on it and you are genuinely sorry then I'm likely to give you that one chance but the moment that you start lying about it or trying to hide stuff and the fact that you wouldn't come to me and such like that that is now a much more of a hard limit for me because if I can't trust you to tell me then I'm gonna have to always be looking over my shoulder and always be like watching what you're doing to making sure so I need to know that my partners are gonna come and talk to me if they make a mistake or they do something like that when I found a out about your situation at the time we talked about it and it really made me assess for the first time like why would someone stay in a relationship like that and because 
in no way you stupid in the slightest you had made a very informed decision about something that you wanted and I sort of sat there and I was like I understand like I understand where you're coming from I understand why that you made the decision to stay in that relationship and like it was the first time where I was genuinely like I don't know if I'd make a different decision to you so I think it's very, very, very case by case, person by person, and then also honesty, because I do believe to an extent, if you lie about it, it shows such a disrespect for that person, because yeah. if you've affected them, and you've hurt them, why go that step further, even though, like we just heard in the SPRL bit, most people would do that. Mm, it's especially like having the second chance like you've got the love and respect from the person that you're dating and you fuck that up by going and cheating they give you a second chance what's more disrespectful and kind of like hurtful to that person is that you say that it was a mistake honestly first time easily fine if if it's a mistake i love you i i I don't necessarily believe it but i love you so i will i will give you that second chance but if you then do it again and then say that it was a mistake a second time that's that's just a dick move yeah so just because it can be a little bit more complicated than that um we decided to take these questions from a buzzfeed quiz it's in the show notes if you want to go take it as well um but if not just play along with us uh so these can sort of be separated into um yes no and gray area so i'll be interested to see what your thoughts are for example is it cheating to kiss someone else on the lips? For me, personally, if my partner was to kiss somebody else on the lips without asking, then that would be cheating. But if they were to ask and get permission first, that would be fine. Yeah, I'm probably about the same. If I wanted to, it was more like I wouldn't go out of my way to kiss anyone like on the lips um i'm quite uh i'm not like the club i'm not as posh as everyone think i am like i come and give you a hug kiss either side of the cheek how are you darling are you okay how are the corgis are they all right like i'm not quite as bad as that however i have once done that and someone did get very like i'm sorry who are you <laughs> turns out i didn't know who they were uh story for another time i'll explain it later um but it's it's if i was to kiss someone on the lip and like a proper snog or just like a normal because I don't actually kiss anyone on the lips, ever. Just it's not my thing. Some people do, but personally not my thing. Even if you've got like a close friend, kiss on the lips, beautiful, nah, not really my thing. But if I was going to, I would definitely ask my partner's permission. Um, if I was just on like a night out or I was just hanging out with some friends and it was like, do you want to? I was like, well, I've got a partner, so no. However... Um, it seems interesting. It'd be nice to experiment. Might be an idea. So I don't see why not. But let me get my partner's permission. Yep, they said it was fine. Cool. Um, a suit. But what I also like is that my partner specifically likes to be like checked in on, as we like mentioned earlier. So if I did something, kissed them, and like right, that's done. Then I would text them afterwards, say well, we're done now. Um, this is what I thought. But and I'd like fill them in on what happened, so they were like fully aware of everything that went on. Is it cheating to message other people on dating apps? My relationship, it would be because in my relationship doesn't allow for us to be on dating apps. So and that's completely fair. If my partner, if it was something which me and my partner were wanting to pursue, if we were wanting to pursue our outside relationships, then that would be absolutely fine. Otherwise, probably 
would be cheating. I think even if they told me that they had a dating app and I were like, I'm on Tinder or I'm on Grindr or Bumble or whatever, I'm on these apps and I'm talking to people, but I don't want anything to do with them. I'm just doing it for fun. I would probably still have an issue even if it wasn't going to jeopardize our relationship because it seems kind of cruel because people are on an app yeah. to find someone, then then yeah, probably. Is sending someone else just cheating? Are we talking like dirty, dirty pictures or? Full nudes or just nudes well, right. or what? I'll categorize them. If it's a morning, mate, how you doing? With like just my face, but I'm topless in bed, but like it's only showing like the decolletage up, then no. If anything from the decolletage up, I don't really have an issue with. I mean, if you're topless and you take a photo and you're in like a bikini top and like bikini, like a, like a full bikini, my girlfriend did that and sent it to someone, wouldn't have an issue. I, I don't really have that side of jealousy, but if it was like a full nude or just like not wearing any, like not wearing a top and like covering the nipples and then sending that probably more because I don't mind if my partner wants to show people because I'm a bit of an exhibitionist. They are as well. So like being open and talking to people and showing off our bodies is a massive thing. We really enjoy it. However, we discuss it first. We show each other images before we send them just because we want to be aware of what is going out. I know we can say, well, I'm not comfortable with that because there's too much of that or whatever. And we both discuss it every time we do something like that, which isn't actually that often. But yeah, I think my relationship allows for me to show my my spicier photos to Ali <laughs> because Ali's my best friend and she lives in the room opposite mine in the same flat. Um, so when I have taken things, I've sort of gone through and I've been like, can you take a look of, at them just to get a little bit of feedback um, and a li- like a little bit of hype um, before I might send them to my partner? And that's fine, my relationship. But And I think it would be fine the other way around if my partner were to do that, if they wanted to show a friend that they were really close with and just be like, what do you think? But I think it would then start to get a bit more like gray area depending on who it is and if I knew about it or not um uh, what, what about receiving spicy photos because there there has been a case where um my partner has received a, a spicy photo out of the blue supposedly not for them but you know yeah, I love that excuse oh sorry that wasn't meant for you it's like mm, wasn't it are you sure are you sure personally um I can now link to Instagram. Yay, I can finally make a point that works. Um, I get them all the time. I get at least one, a well, probably at least like three a week. And it's always just like, it's the first and only thing that's sent. There's never like any speech, no text. It's just like, like boobs. We've had like normal ones, which is just like me and lingerie. And I'm like, okay, please never send this to me again. And then I block because I'm nice because they're fans from TikTok and they're trying to be oh sexy but don't because i have a partner and i'd rather you not do that but i give them the benefit of the doubt and i block also just don't do it in general don't like no one solicited dick pics consent first or vagina pics or just pictures is it cheating to hook up with someone else while you're on a break i don't think so i would say it depends if you've discussed it 
I agree and I disagree. So yeah, absolutely. Talk to your partner. Know where those boundaries are for that break. However, I think for myself in like my relationship, if it were to go on a break, I think I would get really, really mad if they were to hook up with someone during that time. And I'm pretty sure that they would get mad if I would hook up, hook up with someone at that time. Because I think it's such a fragile time for a relationship if you're having to go on a break. I don't yeah. I entirely believe in them. I don't know. I've never seen a case where it's... I so I just think that if you're already in such a fragile place, it's, there's no point in making it even more fragile. Yeah, I think if you're having a break, yeah. there's a reason for the break. Um, is texting your ex cheating? No. No, it depends on the intentions that you have from doing that. I think for me it would depend on if they were hiding it or not. Because if they... Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, if they were an ex that I knew of... Um, and then I would see the message pop up on the phone or something, you know, we were watching something. Then I would then be like, why did you not tell me that you were in touch again? Like, what was that? But, you know, if they were open about it and they were just like, hey, um, so-and-so has gotten back in touch, you know, we used to get on really, really well. Is it all right if we talk? Then I'd probably be like, yeah, absolutely. you told me. Let's go through uh, one, two more. I want to do a quick, do some quick fire rounds. We just gotta go yes or no without, without any explanation. Okay, is it cheating to share a bed with someone else but don't do anything sexual? No, no. It depends. Is spending long hours on the phone with someone else every night cheating? No, no. It depends. Cheating to tell someone else that you have feelings for them? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would say yes. Because I would say it's more yes on no, the... No, we, we're doing quick fire. Oh. Yes. Quick fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, is having sex with someone else cheating? Yes. Yes. If you're in a relationship, yes. Uh, is hugging someone else cheating? No. No. Hugging or hooking? I don't no. think so. Fabulous. Cool. Hugging. It was hugging, yeah? Not hooking okay. up. I heard, I heard hooking. I was like, what the fuck is hooking? Hugging. Okay. <laughs> it's, the, it's the accent. It's fine. So, it is the moment we have all been waiting for. It is now time for fucking fiction. Assigning fictional characters kinks based on our own subjective view and the personalities. Make sure to email in or go on our Twitter to give us suggestions for next episode's characters. And let us know what you think of this week's characters. What kinks do you think they'll have? This week, Becca is choosing the character, so off you go. So I've chosen Merida from Brave. I want to start by saying she is absolutely a hard dom. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. She's so strong-willed. Yeah. I feel like if she was a submissive, then it would be very, very extremely bratty. I don't think that she has an, like, an an ounce of being able to submit in her I think that she wouldn't even be able to brat because at the end of the day I think she would just want to win so it wouldn't suit her to be a submissive I think she'd be a bratty dumb as well because I think she seems like a bit of a yes. like she would definitely take the piss so if she had a sub like like the the boy that I, I've always thought the boy that 
thinks he's like the top dog, the sexy one with like the blue paint on that's like like trying to win her love out of the three lads. The one with black hair has a hissy fit when he can't shoot a bow and arrow. Um, that one, 100% sub, okay? Just putting it out there. Big old subby bitch. So they would get together 100% and uh, he would do something like, like just on the off chance that she just needed to dom someone and he was subby. Um, he would totally moan about something like, don't give me the punishment. I was really good. I'm sorry. And she'd just go, I was really good. I'm sorry. Shut up and just deal with it. Like, she's so good. Yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of think that she would be gay, to be honest. I don't think she would end up with a guy. Kind of fair. I could definitely probably buy doming a woman. I, I, and yeah, I absolutely agree that she'd be a bratty dom. Where do we start on the sadism? Because I feel like she would have a lot of fun yeah. mind fucks to do with sadism. I also think she's, I also think a, she's a bit primal. Do, do we... I don't know. She likes shooting arrows in the forest and riding through it on a horse. I think, I just feel like she'd be very suited to the primal. Do more primal than pet play, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, but I don't know if she'd be particularly yeah. primal. I think she would be very much just, you know, the way that we think of as like regular BDSM. I think that would be her jam. Yeah, like mainstream, but still like a couple of extra bits and pieces on the side. Yeah, I, I stand with her having at least a little bit of primal because, like, she will. She is more than happy to just roam through the forest and go exploring. Like when something pikes her interest, she'll go through and. I don't know, I can see her playing hide and seek in the forest or like wrestling. Like she plays around and wrestles with her family yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think that's less like, I mean, it's definitely primal to an extent, but I feel it's more just like a playful behavior rather than primal, but it's definitely a primal, but I would also definitely say she's a sadistic fuck in yeah, the sense I, of I, she's got um, a lot of family issues so she needs someone or something to take a couple of like i'm really annoyed what did your mum say oh she said this whoosh, and she also and my dad oh i tell you i'm just like like she'd have to like get some of the frustration out so she'd definitely be like a big collector of like floggers and crops 100 percent, and she'd hide it behind a tapestry so <laughs> she just hide it behind a tapestry on the wall it's like like a whole section just like carved out of the wall which is just like the box of dirty shit and it's just like a, oh, that's a beautiful tapestry just hanging up there and then it's like there's also just like the i would take that out because yeah. that's so rude um there's like having like the box and then there's like a beautiful tapestry just like covering it's like oh it's such a nice tapestry it's like i know yeah 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 do you want to do you want to see my ball gag yeah, move the tapestry. It's like on a little curtain. It's like on a little curtain. I was like, why is it on a curtain? It's just pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty. And it's like a little box. It's got like little hooks and stuff on the side. And she's like, especially like that. And like a cold, like that would be hot as hell. I also think she'd probably be doing like the role play stuff because she's in a castle. There's so many role play ideas you can have from a castle. So many. I mean, yes and no, because the role play ideas that we're thinking of in a castle are probably like her reality. So if we were to think of like a princess and knight role play going on, that's her life. However, you could probably, probably get a good kidnapping. You probably get a good kidnapping role play. Yes, and a nice abduction scene. Yes, but I also think what would be very interesting is that she doesn't give a fuck about gender roles. So she would be the knight in shining armor, saving a helpless prince or princess. Yeah, I see that. Rather than her, it's like, oh, I'm stuck in a tower and there's a, there's a bear. Uh, it's like, no, 
on the fucking night. I'm wearing those. I'm wearing like she'd have an arrow with like a rope attached to it, fire it through the window and like climb up the fucking thing, climb in and like the wind would blow through her open locks and like be so like just outstandingly good. But she doesn't give a fuck about gender roles. So essentially what we realized is that I had a bigger crush on Merida than when we started this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely would sub for Merida. I don't know 100%. anyone who wouldn't sub for Merida. I would. Um, yeah. She's just hot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a point yeah. where we should... I feel like, all right, I do want to say something. I don't know if you so want to take this out afterwards. Just something I do want to say. Um, just to, like, you can take it out afterwards, but I do, I don't mind either way. However, we are talking about these characters as if they are our age or higher, not the age that they're actually portrayed. Because I know Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, one of them, they're like a child, but they look older in the thing, in like in the animation and stuff. But their first original story, they were like 14. So we're obviously discussing how they are, if they were our age or higher. Just wanted to make sure that it was being like, you know, discussed. Yeah. Cool. I think we should round off there then. Ali. If you like us on the podcast, please email us on kinkandcuddles at outlook.com or follow us on Twitter at cuddles underscore kink. And don't forget to follow me and Harrison on TikTok at captain underscore black underscore 1380 and frankiephoenix66. Thank you for listening. Have fun, stay safe, and have lots of orgasms. Bye! See ya. Bye!